Bear Down Bears fans, another edition, a Friday edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat the designer, John Yurkovich, the good kid is in the building. Yurk, the offseason's here, my friend. Yeah, um, I'm quite happy about it. I mean, I wish the Bears, well, I wish the Bears could have made the playoffs, but if the Bears aren't going to make the playoffs, then so be it. Yeah. And then I uh, spent the last week watching some good football. Well, one game that was good, but some surprising outcomes on the rest of the games. I did go five and one. Okay. Against the spread, ATS. Okay. My only lower, uh, my only loser, Houston. I did not have Houston doing that to Cleveland the way they did it. But two interception returns for touchdowns yeah, yeah. will take a game that might be somewhat closer, even though I don't think it was, that turned it into some uh, something very laughable. And that's what I want to talk with you about. I mean, listen, we, we've some, seen a ton of good football in Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. And uh, on the flip side of that, now we have games coming up. I think we saw some surprises that pertain to the Chicago Bears in what we've saw development-wise from Jordan Love uh, and what we've seen from C.J. Stroud in his first year. When you watch those games, when you get to take a look at these guys up close, what's the biggest difference in how other teams seemingly can just take a quarterback and be able to develop it that the Bears are missing here for life? Well, two different things, um, I would say. One's quarterback that came straight out of college. Another one's a guy that had a chance to sit for a couple of years. Right. Um, so there's two different ways to do it. Um, these guys have done it two different ways, and it's worked out for them. Uh, you take a look at the quarterbacks over the course of time. The guy up, Kirk Cousins, Washington didn't like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a damn good quarterback. Yeah. You know, Matt Stafford with the Rams, he, he was with the Detroit Lions, and they couldn't get over the top. So they decided, hey, we're going to go a different way. We're going to rebuild. We're going to get Jared Goff. They developed the team around Jared Goff, but you still see Jared Goff have a Jared Goff game the way he did against the Bears. Right. So, you know, Jared Goff is an NFL quarterback. Stafford's an NFL quarterback. Is one better than the other? I think Stafford's a little bit better than Jared Goff, but both find themselves in the final eight, um, you know, final four of their conference, final eight overall of all the teams. So you've got quarterbacks that can win games for you. Um, I think too many people want to try to hit the home run. Mm. You know, they want to hit the grand slam. Um, I, I don't know if that necessarily is a situation. C.J. Stroud looks good this year. Yeah. It, it looks like he's going to have success the more he plays and the more he goes on. Um, but we'll see. You know, Herbert was supposed to be the, 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 the end-all, be-all guy that could throw for all the yardage in the world, but now he's got to find a way to win. So I, I think the importance of a quarterback is finding a, a way to win um, with the quarterback you have. I think you can do it a, a number of different ways. Um, only one team wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. 31 teams are going to go home upset. And they're going to be mad. They're going to look at their team. They're going to say, hey, how do we improve? How do we get to the next level? And then you tweak it and you come back and you're worse than you were the year before. Yeah, you know, so I mean that happens. That is true. That <laughs> happens. Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. They they, they thought they could withstand right. a lot of the pieces that they let go. Right. You you have a bad coordinator you know, situation. Cincinnati's got an excuse. Yeah. Cincinnati has the excuse their quarterback got hurt, so maybe they didn't have the exact type of quarterback they needed. But Mason Rudolph came in and stepped in for the Pittsburgh Steelers and at least got Pittsburgh to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so 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 what is it? What are you looking for? Are you looking for Tom Brady every time you go out there? Well, guess what? Tom Brady's aren't available all the time. Yeah. 
Patrick Mahomes. So Tom Brady was drafted when? 2000. Mahomes was drafted in 2019. So you're separated 19 years by quarterbacks that, you know, five straight AFC championship games for. By the way, that's a generation. Yeah. 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. Generation. generation. All of a sudden, every year, you got a generation. Every player. year. You're, every single year. So there's that, a generation. I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. So, um, if you've got, well, if you give up on your quarterback, you definitely can't develop your quarterback. Right. So you're not developing anybody. Joe Flacco, uh, when he was with the Baltimore Ravens, they built the team around him, built the defense around him. And came, come playoff time, he always found a way to flourish in the playoffs because he had a great playoff record. He won one Super Bowl, they paid him, and they destroyed the rest of their team Yeah, because they had to pay their quarterback. So um, I said late in the year, I thought they were going to keep both Eberflus and they're going to keep Justin Fields. I thought Fields and Getsy were going to be tied at the hip that you guys either succeed or you don't succeed together. Yeah. They went a different route, and they said, hey, we're going to get another guy in here, and uh, that's what they're deciding on. They're going to figure out who exactly they're going to get in here. But you develop a quarterback by believing in a quarterback. You develop a quarterback by giving an opportunity to succeed. Mm. So um, – have I seen so? And, and here's your level of development from year one to year two. You can develop year two to year three. You can develop from year three to year four. You notice that the curve starts to flatten. Yes. At some point, you're gonna. You've peak learned out. everything you're gonna learn. Yeah. You're gonna peak out. You have learned what you were gonna learn, and where are you there? And can you play winning football with the quarterback at that level? So Kirk Cousins got to a level, and and he's flattened out. And now you know exactly what Kirk Cousins is. Minnesota has gone to the playoffs before. Jordan Love has had a chance to learn, 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 learn. Now you've seen him actually achieve on the field. Now we'll see what is he really capable of. You know, is, is he really capable of something special? Or is he there, and this is the level that you're going to get from Jordan Love the rest of the way out, which is a pretty good level. Right. Which would be a level that would be the best quarterback in Chicago Bears history. Yeah. So um, th there's not like – I can go to a store and just say, hey, how to develop a quarterback. There's not one way to do it. There's different ways and different methods and different philosophies to do it. And you just hope that the, the guy, the quarterback you get and the coaching staff you have can get together and achieve that development that you're looking for. And development doesn't just happen at the quarterback position. It happens all over the football. Team. Uh -huh. So you got to have a coaching staff that can develop Everyone, all their players. Tony Baselli, his first year, 95, was not the Tony Baselli of 96 or 97. Uh, he, he, there was a maturation process of figuring out what one can do, what can't do. What can I get away with? What can I get away with? What works, what doesn't work? That's there. It happens. It's, it's development all the time uh, from your first to your second to your third year. But once you get to your third, fourth year, you're pretty much the guy that you're going to be. Yeah. So. And then it's, can you build a team around it? Can you build a team around, right now, Justin Fields? Um, where are they lacking? Um, maybe a receiver, but the quarterback still has to be able to get the ball to the receivers. You can have all three receivers be just as frustrated as Darnell Mooney was this year. And Darnell Mooney was frustrated this year. So you can, you can do what you like, and you can get all the weapons you want. If they can't get the football in a timely manner, it's not going to make a difference. So that's what you've got to ask yourself. What do we do? Well, I mean, and this is a running football team. This is not a passing football team. Yeah. No. They, this this, this team has gone oppo. This team has gone oppo, and they're more running the football. And maybe with the way they're calling uh, interference and defensive holding, you should become a running football team. Yeah. 
because if they're going to just let people get away, defensive backs get away with what they got away with this year, I, th- I thought it was ridiculous. Well, listen, the, the referees as a whole in, in this league are right, ridiculous. Right, but I'm just saying how it affects your now offensive <laughs> oh, yeah. philosophy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and what you can and can't do. The the first play where Josh Allen runs, he he goes for a slide. Looks very similar to Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. Flags are flying everywhere. Yeah. Oh, there, there's people in the stands are throwing flags. Roger Goodell's in the stand. He's throwing flags. Like everybody's throwing flags all of a sudden. Trust me, Justin like, Fields can't get one. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. There's another one that guy got hit and they didn't make the penalty call. Quarterback wasn't important enough. Yeah, depends on how important the quarterback is to the image of the league. Yeah. So I mean that's what that's basically what it's what it's become. Yeah, it, it, you can you can clearly see it. You can clearly yeah. see it. One one thing that you said though that I thought was was really good there was that we had talked before and you said Luke Getzey and Justin Fields would be tied at the hip. Yeah, I thought they would be. Is that possibly still the case? Does it feel like Justin Fields may also be out of here because he didn't succeed well, we don't know. with Luke Getz. We don't know. And that's going to come with further analysis and further evaluation and meeting Caleb Williams, meeting Drake May, meeting Jaden Daniels, yeah. meeting uh, Michael Penix. Uh, Michael, yeah, Penix, the youngster out of, uh, uh, youngster out of uh, Washington. Washington, Bo Nix yeah. out of Oregon, J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. There's no reason you wouldn't interview anybody and everybody that's hit the quarterback position. I didn't, re- I didn't interview the top eight guys. Yeah. Because the top eight guys will probably go from the first to the third round. Don't know when they'll go, but they'll go first to the third round. And there's different feelings on Penix, Bonix, J.G. McCarthy, I believe. I think you have your first three are locked in. Um, and then there's different feelings. But maybe even I'd put Jaden Daniels in there, the, uh, the, the Heisman Trophy winner yep. out of LSU. Uh, he had three lackluster years, and he had one great year last year where he won the the Heisman Trophy. So I think I, I think you'd have to be patient. Maybe include him on the on the next group of three or four. Yeah, and then find yourself a quarterback you like if that's the direction you're going to go. But if you're going to get a quarterback, having Justin here is not going to be the best thing in the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think you can bring uh, Justin Fields and Jane Daniels here together. No. And think there's going to be some sort of mesh. You know. When they brought Favre in, it was Mikowski and Detmer. And Detmer was a ninth-round draft choice. The ninth-round draft choice, even though he's the Heisman Trophy winner, was not going to threaten anybody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody felt threatened. Mikowski felt threatened by Favre. By I'm Favre sure he did. Up. And when he got hurt and Favre went in, it was over for Mikowski. Yeah. He was threatened for good reason. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because you said something about the belief in the quarterback, too, right? You develop a quarterback by believing in him. Well, you've got to give him the repetitions. Yeah. If he doesn't get the repetitions, it's going to be difficult for him to be able to develop as a quarterback. So you're going to have to take the good with the bad. It feels like they're, the history of the Bears is the quarterback's always on the hot seat. Yeah, You get the year two, and it's like, all right, bud, you better figure this out. By year three, and then it's like, well, you you also have brought in new coaches at this point. You brought in new coordinators at this point. These guys don't believe in them. They want their guy. They want their next guy. Well, you know I mean, like, I mean, the mob is fickle. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not even talking about the coaching staff. The backup quarterback is the most popular quarterback in the city of Chicago, yeah. and that's the way it's been for an extended period of time. Doesn't matter. Everybody likes somebody else. That's just the way it is. Whether it was with McMahon. Steve Fuller took over, whether it was McMahon, Tom Zach, McMahon, Doug Flutie. Didn't make a difference who it was. 
the backup quarterback was always the most popular guy. And, and for one reason or another, that's the way it is in the city of Chicago. Uh, they've kind of done it weirdly with their coaching situation yeah. and getting a quarterback, having them for one year, firing the coaching staff and then coming in. So, yeah, as of late, it's been done a little bit backwards. Um, but I think that's why one reason Iberflus is here. I think it's a reason that probably Fields is going to be here, mm. and I think it's a reason they're going to live and die together, and that's the way it's going to work. And uh, so we'll see uh, how they progress forward. But um, I believe Justin Fields is going to be here. I believe they're going to take that number one pick and they're going to move down. They're going to get some more trade asset, right? You know, more draft. It's not a hole still on this team, right? And so I, the, the finding the quarterback makes us feel better. Yeah, doesn't fix not having a three technique. Well, that's doesn't true. Fix well, not doesn't fix. Yeah, I mean, like doesn't fix having another guy coming off the corner too. Doesn't fix not having a left tackle. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, hold like, on though. But hold on, Dexter. They got the three technique. He's Dexter. That's you, his you name. like you like him. Yeah, not everybody's Warren Sapp. Not everybody is Cortez Kennedy. It takes time for guys to develop. Yeah, on the inside. That's just the way it is. Uh, Fletcher Cox wasn't a world beater in year one. He wasn't. Brian Young and Dana Stubblefield weren't world beaters in year one. They developed into becoming world beaters and good tandems in the middle together. John Henderson and Marcus Stroud weren't world beaters, and they certainly weren't pass-rushing three techniques. There were two big bodies in the middle that caused chaos. Yeah. So I, I, I don't look at most first-year guys to think they're going to come in and blow the world up like Aaron Donald did. Generational player, generational talent. Ten years ago, it's right? About, yeah, it's been about, it's been about almost ten. Yeah, 10, it's ten years yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for he's sure. got 111, 113 sacks. They're talking about him actually retiring. He's been talking about that for three years. Well, obviously. he told him redo my final three years on my thing. Yeah, if you don't, I'm going to retire. So yeah. they redid the final three years. Two years, they're into it now. He's got a five million dollar guarantee. On March 17th, it becomes a 35 million dollar guarantee. It feels like. The team has already positioned themselves, and we're never going to see March 17th. Mm. So you need to figure out what's going on with you or not going on with you. But he's guaranteed to get $5 million. <laughs> that deal. So no matter you, what happens. No matter what, you won't be a Ram on down. March 17th. Well, I mean, and it's that. sad, but that's the way it works. That's the business. His NFL Hall of Fame thing is legitimate. Yeah. His is legitimate. Yeah. 100-plus sacks out of the defensive tackle position, which is impossible. Uh, Three-time defensive player of the year, um, defensive rookie of the year in his first year. He finished second twice. So there's no gray area who Aaron Donald is. Aaron Donald was phenomenal. Where where do you put him all time? Uh, at that position? because On the I'm, interior defensive the interior lineman? Defensive line. Well, he's he better one? than Sapp. Sapp has said it. Sapp has yeah, said it himself. He's, he's literally than, yeah. said he's like, I, I, I mean, I mean he's listen, better than me. when guys are better than you, you just Gilbert Brown was better than I was. Yeah. That's just a fact. Yeah. You sit there and do whatever I want to do. I'd be I'd be BSing everybody. I don't BS people. I tell them the truth. Um so Warren Sapp, he's better than Cortez. Cortez played a lot on two I too. Um I'm looking at other guys in the middle. Keith Millard, he's better than McMichael. Yeah. So yeah, when Hamp rushed in on the inside, he's better than Hampton was. He um, might be number one. He man. just he just created, he might be the best. Right, he just created more chaos yeah. than anybody. And I know Brian Young just went in. Here's a good name for you, Leroy Glover. Leroy Glover was a hell of a defensive lineman. You know, they started getting all these marginal guys. Like, who's the big fat guy out of 
out of uh, New England that retired. Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork, yeah. Leroy Glover was five times the player. Vince Wilfork was. Yeah. Why won't people say it? I'll say it. I ain't got no problem. Leroy Glover was a hell of a player. Less jewelry. That's the only reason. Yeah, well, I don't, Less jewelry. I, I don't know who does. Maybe <laughs> he never wore. What are the pants that he always wore? The uh, overalls? The jeans. The overalls. The overalls? Yeah. Yeah, maybe Leroy Glover never wore overalls. You know, nothing else. On. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I think if you ask Vince Wilfork yeah. an honest question, who was better, you or Leroy Glover? And Leroy played the nose tackle too. Yeah. You know, maybe in a three-four, but I think it was more of an offset three-four where he played the angles. Right. But I think Leroy Glover was much better player than Vince Wilfork. Now Vince had his position. Vince had his thing. Vince did it, you know, his run stuff. For sure. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that's what you, I, I he was you. a monster. He ate up space. It's, it's uh, no well, disrespect it's to any space. of these guys. Yeah, but yeah. space eaters don't go to the Hall of Fame. Oh, oh, you, you they, say, no, you say, you say, uh, well, uh, just the facts. Ooh. Look at the raw numbers. Yeah. Look at the impact. Yeah. Was he even the, was he ever the best player on his defense? No. The answer is no. no. The answer is a resounding no. He was not. That, not even yeah. remotely close. So, and then that's just being fair. Richard Seymour at the time, and I don't know how much Richard and Vince even crossed over. Maybe a year. I don't know. Maybe a year and change. Who knows? I don't know. We know how much they crossed over. But you had defensive backs there that were good. Um, but you just, uh, on a team that's only had Ty Law and Seymour make it yeah. over the 20-year run that they had being a dominant football team in the AFC, so it is interesting. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's a that's a well. Don't go looking for his sacks. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not gonna get for Vince Wilfork. You're not gonna get much numbers. You're not gonna find him. Yeah, you're not gonna get much numbers there. And it depends how much of an impact you think he really had. I just know Leroy Glover was the better player. That's who's, it. who's your top five pass rushers all time? Uh, Reggie White, number one. Mm. Uh, Bruce Smith would be up there. I'm trying to think of some of these young bucks, like J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. I T would put in there. J.J. Watt seems like he may be better, but long career to go. But I'll throw Aaron Donald in there at number four. I won't just keep it on defensive ends. Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember of a guy that had a real nice technique coming off the side. See, there's a whole slew of guys stuck at like 120 to 130 yeah. sack-wise that you could talk about and – yeah, Lawrence Taylor coming off the corner is going to be up there. So, <laughs> well, and I, I might amend my list and put Lawrence Taylor number two, right. Bruce Smith, Aaron Donald, and then the other guy that I had said after that, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Yeah, I think that's the direction that I'll go. And maybe some of these young kids right now will eventually get up there and they'll end up replacing, um, you know, T.J. Watt's doing it. I don't think the Bosa boys are doing it quite the way they were doing it before. It, it slowed down a lot with the Bosa boys a little bit. It's, well, injury, they're still they're still really good. Injuries, but, injuries, yeah. kind of have done that a little bit to them too. And remember, if you're in San Diego and you've only won five, six football games, you're not really getting a lot of opportunities to rush the passer. Remember when the Bears started getting sacks? They got sweating here. Yeah, they started winning games. When they started winning games, teams had to throw. And if you look at the Bears, when did they get their sacks? At the end of the first half, when you had to throw. At the end of the second half, when teams were behind in the fourth quarter and they had to throw the ball, then all of a sudden, what happened? All of a sudden, everybody was getting to the quarterback. Everybody was having a party. Everybody was having a good time. That's when sacks happen. The guys that can pressure quarterbacks in the first quarter, third quarter, when the game is close and the yeah. team doesn't have to throw or they're behind and you can still get a sack, those are guys that can rush the pass. Yeah. 
Those are some badass guys right there. I always think about a yeah. Julius Peppers on that. He'd like you'd see him like yeah, start yeah. the game with a sack. Yeah, I mean, it's just be like, oh, this is gonna uh, be a long day, boy. I like Julius. I mean, it's gonna be a weird year. Julius is gonna go in. Yep. Um, you know, and obviously he's got some bear stuff, Packers stuff, and Carolina stuff on him. McMichael's gonna go in. So has to. Yeah, at least there'll be a reason to celebrate this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean two guys going into the Hall of Fame. Devin's going Chicago. in. Devin, Devin probably getting Ooh. in. Devin probably getting in. Come on, Yurt. <laughs> Third time's the charm, Yurt. Oh, my God, that's comical. Third time's the charm. You don't think that's Devin comical. gets in again? Why would he get in? <sighs> Go ahead and make a case. Listen. Why would he get in? I'm not I'm not a Devin change the game guy. Never have been. Well, I think what changed the game. Because he didn't change I, the game. I think game. what changed the game is the lawsuits that hit the NFL while he was running back. Touchdown. Well, of course, he never changed the game. Do um, you think he's the first guy that wasn't kicked to in the NFL? No. Do you think they didn't kick the other guys that were dangerous? No. I'll bring Mel Gray to the forefront. <laughs> Nobody wanted to touch Mel Gray. Yeah. Uh, yeah Mel Gray was a bad yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. He was a bad man. Uh, Brian Mitchell, you know, longevity, but at least Brian Mitchell played another position that did right. something. Brian Mitchell at least got an argument, man. I ran the ball. I I, yeah, I caught the ball. I, I did things. How many years uh, uh, that uh, Devin played did Devin not score a touchdown? Because everybody wants to point to there his 20 touchdowns. There, yeah. Everybody wants to say 20 touchdowns. Hey, look, he had 20 touchdowns. He played 12 years. I yeah. think six years of those, he had zero to returns. Yeah. So per touchdown basis, right. it looks like he actually did nothing. Right. Now, obviously, he was returning kicks and returning punts and doing what it was that he was doing. You know he's not the leading kickoff returner. No, I think. Uh, in Bears Cordero history, Patterson, right? Uh, just yeah, Corduroy. My guy Corduroy. Right. Corduroy Patterson. So he's not, you know, he's not the most efficient guy. I I, I loved I loved when Cordero was here yeah. because poor Dick Stockton, he was going, he was going down in a yeah. in a in flames. Yeah. Every black guy with dreads was Cordero Patterson. Yeah. I was like, Dick, was, the defense is out there. What are, you, what are we talking about? Yeah. No, that's not Cordero Patterson. So 20 <laughs> Devin had 20 returns for a touchdown. How yeah. many opportunities to get to return touch? How many touches? Five hundred? Probably was he a one in every thirty five touches he Probably. scored a touchdown? It was it was so have much ever, it was so much in the beginning you, because yeah. people well it was early yeah it was yeah, first very, two years very early, very early really people were like we're yeah. gonna find a way to stop this guy right so and then it literally became I, I'll say this and and you can speak to this because you played on special teams and different things like that when you basically will tell a team we're gonna punt it away from you and try and put you at the thirty. Just to keep the football out of his hands, right? Isn't like, that similar? like they did to Haven Moses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they did to Rick Upchurch. Yeah, yeah. Like they've done to a million guys that have played in this league before. Yeah. It's not nothing new. People tried to make it like it was something new, and it was not. <laughs> so, but you didn't get to the answer to my final question when I asked you how many touches. I think it was like one every thirty, one every two, yeah, thirty-three, something like that. If like yeah, yeah, you yeah. take a look at it, one every forty-seven one touches. Every 47 he scored Touch. Okay. So. I bring up the name Travis Roadrunner Williams. Right. And you ask me who Travis Roadrunner Williams is. I am going to ask you. That. Played for the Packers in the, uh, I think it was 69, 70, 71, or 70 through 73. Only had a four-year career. Right. I think he had six or seven returns for touchdowns and 115 touches in punt returns and kickoff returns. So he touched the ball 115 times, had 115 total returns. And scored six or seven touchdowns. So where's the productivity at? Do you know why he didn't make the team in the fifth year? Because he couldn't play another position. Mm. He didn't have his grandpappy taking care of him upstairs. 
Jerry Angelo. He didn't have a head coach that absolutely loved him and said that even though we're trying to find a position for him and he can't play a position because he's not good enough. Right. Okay. The only thing he can do is catch the ball and run forward. Okay. Can't catch passes looking back and then have the same mystic way that he had with returning a kick. So look at Travis Williams, the road runner for the Packers. Six returns, six touchdown returns. I think he had one uh, one punt return. Uh, that, to me, is the most productive return guy in NFL history. But nobody knows about him. Why? Because nobody gave a rat's ass because he couldn't play a position. Right. But all of a sudden, I'm supposed to give a rat's ass because Devin Hester couldn't play a position and he returned some kicks and then did it in the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, now I'm supposed to go wild. I'm supposed to go crazy. Well, I think it's the fact I got, you got legitimate people that should be in the Hall of Fame yes. that have 90 plus touchdowns in their career that have impacted the game uh, in, in a, a great manner that are fighting and clawing to get in the game like Freddie Taylor. Freddie Taylor's got an argument to be in the Hall of Fame. OK, Freddie Taylor does. Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah. You know who doesn't have a, 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 a claim? Devin Hester. But I'm not a fool. I understand the people on the Hall of Fame committee uh, want to. I don't know what they want to do. Either way, well, but it's, it's if Devin Hester, record, right? if Devin Hester eventually, yeah. Deion Hester is not in as a return guy. No, no, no. I'm just Deion saying, Hester I'm, is in as a cornerback. De Deion Sanders. I'm just yeah. saying that that it, it's the the claim that he has is he's the best to ever do it. Yeah. From it, a number standpoint, nobody ever returned yeah. more in total than he did. Yeah. Yeah. It's not doing it for you. No, it doesn't. But I realize, I realize the the, the, the people that are in charge of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, at some point, we'll put Devin Hester in. Yes. And then I won't be the guy clamoring. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh, at that point, it's congratulations. It's not a kick. Nice job. It's not a kick. The time to object to it. Right. Is now. Right. So that's why I'm the only guy that ever says he doesn't belong. Right. Because I don't think he does belong. Okay. So, but when he gets in, congratulations. Nice job. He'll have his little gold jacket on, and he can go represent companies and go and do do what he does. Like, I think we saw him out here one day with FanDuel. Was he at our golf course last year? With, uh, yeah. I don't think it was Devin a year was or two years ago. Year. Two years two ago. Two years ago, ago we had him out. Yeah. Yeah, and he was representing FanDuel or somebody out there. Hey, great to see him. Or Rivers or somebody. Yeah. Hey, great to see you. Whatever was going on. Yeah, I don't want to misplace where he was at. So it's good to see you. Great. Shake your hand. You're still not a Hall of Famer in my eye, but that's fine. Doesn't make a difference to me. <laughs> you know, I'm not that passionate about it. I'm passionate about people that deserve to be in. You know who deserves to be in? Mongo. 500,000 times. Mongo. Uh, Mongo, yeah, but Mongo's getting in, so I'm not worried about him right now. 500,000 times was a more impactful player in a short period of time than Devin Hester ever dreamed of being. Mm -hmm. Sterling Sharp. I, I Sterling Sharp was a badass mama jamma. I don't disagree with yeah. that. Yeah. And so when you tell me who belongs and who doesn't belong, to me, it's simple. It's not even easy. It's not even a contest. You put the two players next to each other, and one has got so much gravitas, and he's got so much legitimacy to him that, and I understand you can't do that. Right. I understand it's unfair to Devin, but if that, if one's going to get in, and the other one's still on the outside looking in, even though his brother's in there already. I think that's an absolute shame. Why? Why? It, I know it's the years, right? He didn't. He didn't end up getting to play a full career because of the injuries and things. Yeah, he got hurt in '94, I believe. Yeah. But it's, it's neck injury. When you see somebody so impactful 
how does that not qualify them for the Hall of Fame? Well, people forget. People forget. It was Jerry Rice and and Sterling Sharp that were all 100%. pros. hundred percent. But they were the all pros. Yeah. They were the Pro Bowls. What Michael Irvin? It, it wasn't until Sterling it, moved out of the way. It, it wasn't. It, was yeah. It, was, it wasn't Chris Carter. Yeah. It wasn't those guys. Yeah. It was Sterling Sharp that was the guy catching 100-plus balls. First one to do it after Art Monk did it. Yeah, that was Sterling Sharp. It wasn't anybody else. It's just those it's, little crosses in pro pro football reference. Yeah, that say all pro all first pro. team. <laughs> yeah. Those were next to Sterling Sharp and Jerry Rice. Yeah, those were the two studs in the league. It's just so weird to me because it's like you can see someone be so impactful, and if they play right, like if they're impactful their first five years and they kind of like yeah peter out the last five, they'll get in the Hall of Fame. Because yeah. even though the last five years, it was like, oh, he was all right. I mean, he, he still was good. But those first five, he was elite. But yeah. if an injury takes away from a guy's career and he can't get to those last five, yeah, but the, the first five right, were amazing. Right. So that's the Terrell Davis, the yes. Gale Sayers, the yes. Dwight Stevenson role. Those three guys were so exceptional early on in their careers that they, okay, the committee looked at it and said, yes, they're Hall of Famers because of the impact that they had. Right. So. You know, I put I put Sterling in that category. So how do I bust it down when they ask me per year? Per year. What was he per year and what was he per game? Yeah. And and plot him on a graph with the rest of your Hall of Famers to see where he's at. And he he's played in the 80s. So he didn't play in this time where the passing is absolutely ridiculous yeah. and they're throwing the ball over the yard. He played a much more conservative era. So I bet you his numbers still match up yeah. with a bunch of these guys. So, But that's why I said, but listen, in our kindler, gentler, softer world that we live in now, I do believe that Devin Hester will be a Hall of Famer right. at some point uh, in his quest to get there. So I do believe he will get there eventually. So do you, do you believe it will be this year? I don't. Okay. I don't, but I do believe at some point he will get the it. fact that he's made it to being a finalist this year. Puts well, it's him good for him. Three. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. been a finalist all three years, I yeah. believe. Uh, I don't think the first year he made finals, okay. right? I think first year, yeah, he got cut short. But him. I do think, but I also think that he'll get in. Like yeah. To and guys like that, right. it was like, yeah, you're not getting. Yeah, in. <laughs> but I, I, I do think he'll get in. So I don't think that's a concern. I, the only issue I have with the NFL uh, Hall of Fame is, all right, we're we're gonna put guys in. They put a ref in last year. Well, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we well, doing? Well, here? Be, I, yeah, I mean, like, so what are you putting owners in for? Either? Yeah, I mean, you know, and then every guy that's been the commissioner, Pete Rosell <laughs> will be in, Tagliabue will be in, uh, this guy will be in. What's like his a, name? Roger Goodell. No, Roger Goodell. He'll get yeah, in. Yeah, we, we automatically get into the hall because we're commissioners. Yeah. I, I, what, what are we doing here? And yeah. I, that one, that one blows my mind. But Jerry Jones goes in. <laughs> The nineties. I mean, did he found the league? Jerry Jones goes in for the nineties because yeah. <laughs> he can't go in for this playoff run. I'll not, tell you that. Not much. only that, but besides Al Davis, Jerry Jones was the one guy that just wanted to break everything the NFL was trying to do. Yeah. If the NFL signed a contract with uh, Mastercard, he went with Visa. If they signed a deal with Coca Cola, he went with Pepsi. Yeah. If they signed a deal with, uh, um, if they signed a deal with Budweiser, he went with Miller. I, anything the NFL did, he did exactly the opposite, trying to generate as much money as he could. Yeah. And basically laid that out there. But I think he is one of those visionaries they had, along with Kraft and a couple other guys who had to fight the McCaskies, had to fight the, uh, the, the Mike Brown with the Cincinnati Bagels, uh, had to fight some of those old owners that had that old school thinking. Yeah. 
Um, they had to overcome those guys to be able to bring the NFL to where it is now. Remember, I started in 93. The first salary cap was $36 million. Jeez. All right. We're, we're 30 years later, and the salary cap is what, 247? Yeah, Montez Sweat signed yeah, for, uh, 250. for, for but, more yeah, than the salary But that's yeah. how much it's grown, you know? So, um, and don't even do it. Salary cap, do the gross revenues from 1993 yeah. and then turn it into the gross revenues that they have now and see how substantial that is. And you were practice squad. Yeah. Well, first year. First 90, year, yeah. 90 and 91, I was practice squad. Yeah. And the, the, they got rid of the practice squad after 89 because the players wanted more money. You're living in New York on $1,000 a week. Good luck. <laughs> after New York taxes, too, you know. What are you taking home? You got you to drive to Philly after pee. every practice. You, Man, gotta, you just got to drive. You know, having 1000 in Green Bay is a little bit different than having 1000 in New York. Yeah, you know? a little bit. Yeah, just so, a little bit. So they raised it from 1000 to 3000 Yeah. The 3000 was a good time. To 1990. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. That's you're, Rolex year, Craig. No, you're making good. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. No, no, that wasn't Rolex year. Rolex year didn't come around in '93. And that's only because it was given to me, not because you know, I went and bought it. <laughs> I didn't buy a Rolex for myself until 1997. Okay. That's the first time I said, okay, I'm going to splurge on myself. You know, a little something for you. Yeah. A something for you. You still got it? I like me for me, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't you get rid of it? Right. Absolutely. I've taken it out of play. Yeah. yeah. I don't wear it a lot. Yeah, you're not, you're not rocking a Rolex. No, no, no. You you seem like a good boy. I'll bring guy in. Here. I'll bring in. Hey, listen. I'll bring my NFL starter kit in one time. Come on now. Come on. I, got I the, need it. I got the pendant. Yeah. I got a nice bracelet. Yeah. I got the watch. Oh yeah. I need the bling no on the earrings. pod. Here. I was never an earring guy. Not so an I earring never, guy. Never did any earrings. Never even thought about it. Not for my ear. My dad would have killed me. <laughs> I come home with an earring. My dad would have shook his head. He would have said, <laughs> have said "Lord, take me now." <laughs> What the hell did I race? Here, here it goes. So, hey, some guys look good with earrings. Jordan looks good with an earring. Let, let, my, let M. Jeff wear one if he wants it. The, the hoop, the hoop is a little yeah, overplayed. Yeah. I don't stop people from wearing it, not wearing it. I'm just saying, a big fellow like myself doesn't need to have an earring. The, know, that's the, all. The the time I decided was I they had a, they had come out with the magnetic earrings to yeah. see if you wanted to like actually have them or not. You oh, could yeah. test them out. I put a couple diamonds in my ear. I'm walking around the house. I look in the mirror. Yeah. Looked like my mom. Snatched them clean out yeah. of my ear. Looked just like my mom. I was like, Time no. To go. Was like, Time to go. I was like, you know what? They might not be for me. I don't want to walk into the wrong neighborhood with these on. Hey, uh, we appreciate uh, another week, another Friday What's with happening? the good kids. Interesting, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to stay safe out here, York. Follow us on everything at the Chicago Bears Podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love to another great week of podcast. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear done. Peace.